Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Shalom and welcome back to Daily Duff Differently. This is David Wise again, Rabbi of the Hollis Hills Jewish Center in Queens. Today's task is to explore Eruvin Pechet 88. Again, our Duff is dominated by Shakla Vitaria, the give and take of debate over the law and theory of communal behavior on Shabbat. In particular, we'll see a continuing focus on water and what we're allowed to do with it on Shabbat. This isn't an insignificant concern. This is water we're talking about. And water is symbolic of life because it's so essential to life. Today we'll look at two passages where the use of water is the central issue, an issue that could easily be lost in the forest of details. The Mishnah on the previous page dealt with the Gezustra, the balcony that overhangs a body of water. The ruling in the first clause was that one may not draw water from below on Shabbat unless a mechitza had been built. Similarly, even though there are two levels of Gezustraot, one higher than the other, and only the residents of the upper one had made a Mechitza, neither could draw from the water below unless they had made an Eruv, thereby making them one shared domain. Now back on our daf, we find a statement made by Rabbah in Rabbi Chia's name and similarly by Rav Yosef in Rabbi Oshaya's name. Before we look at that statement, let's realize that what we have here are two Babylonian sages bringing a tradition in the name of rabbis from Eretz Yisrael. This makes sense, because the Mishnah is much more relevant to life for Jews in Israel than in Bavel. Not only was the Mishnah a product of Eretz Yisrael, but the architectural issue is germane to Palestinian Jewry, a balcony that overhangs the sea, either Yam HaTichon, the Mediterranean, or the Kinneret, the Sea of Galilee. The Bavli, the Babylonian Talmud, is interested, but the seat of the ruling is in a distant place with different geography and housing. Now back to the statement. Yesh gazel b'shabat v'churba machazir la'be'alim. Now what this phrase means is somewhat unclear, and thus is widely debated in Talmudic commentaries. On the surface, it seems to mean that I can steal, which is a harsh term, it really means I may use without permission, something that belongs to someone else. Well, maybe that is stealing. Well, something like a rune that a owner rarely uses on Shabbat. However, I must return the rune to the owner. The Gemara, as you probably would, immediately responds, Ha Gufakashia, this statement is a walking contradiction. Saying you may use something on Shabbat that belongs to someone else implies that you take possession of it. But then saying that it must be returned implies that you don't acquire it. So which is it? 
Well, since this is a tradition that far, traveled from afar, it's apparent that Rabba and Rav Yosef didn't make what they heard sufficiently clear. So, hachikamar, this is what was said. Yesh din gazel b'shabbat. Using something that belongs to someone else constitutes theft, even on Shabbat, when I might think that possession of something can't change hands, and therefore even a rune must be restored to its rightful owner, even if my using it was only temporary and only to meet my needs on Shabbat. What does this have to do with our Mishnah? Rabba says that it's in conflict with the Mishnah, where we learn that unless the residents of two levels of Gezus Traot went in together on an Eruv, neither upper nor lower residents may take from the water below. Well, based on the concept of Yesh Din Gazel B'Shabbat, why not? The owner of the top balcony, who did make a Mechitza, should be able to draw water. So Rav Sheshet answers that the Mishnah is referring to a mechitza that was made above by a partnership of residents both above and below. But they just didn't extend their partnership into the realm of Eruv. Having considered the matter of water drawing on Shabbat, we'll now turn to the issue of water spilling. This is the final Mishnah in Perak Chet in chapter 8 of Eruvin, and it gives regulations for pouring wastewater into a chatzer on Shabbat. What's the crux of the matter? If I pour water that is going to flow into another reshut, another domain, well, that's problematic. And there's also the question of intent. Am I merely disposing of water I've used but prefer to have out of my home, or... Do I have ulterior motives, such as muddying the earth so that dust doesn't rise from the ground and choke us? Well, part of the Gemara's inquest here finds that the answer is season- seasonal. That is, the conditions of the ground differ from summer to winter, and we can learn about intent from what season it is. The Mishnah says that if a chatzer is smaller than four by four cubits, I need to have an uka, a pit, which will hold about 24 liters of water below the hole from which the water flows. It also mentions a beav, a drainage ditch, and whether or not I may pour onto a roof from which it would spill into the beav. And plumbers would absolutely love this Mishnah. Anyway, the Gemara notes that we have a baraita, a parallel source to the Mishnah, in which the sage Hananya gives a different ruling than the one in the Mishnah. No matter how large the roof, says Hananya, one may not pour water on it, for it is not apt to absorb any of the water. All of that water will spill off. So the Gemara brings a third Tanetic source to address the conflicting texts. And it says, the Mishnah, in requiring an uka, a pit, is dealing with summer, whereas in the winter, one may spill without any regret. Why? Rava explains that in the winter, one doesn't care if the water is absorbed because the ground is muddy anyway. What's a little more mud? So we know that if someone spills out water in winter, the intent isn't for it to flow all the way into Rishut HaRabim, public space, but rather to be absorbed in the Chatzer. 
Now, Abaye, in response, reminds us with his follow-up question that the Mishnah, knowing how badly one wants to pour out wastewater and knowing how much mud one can tolerate, still said, one may not pour. So Rava answers that in winter, there's simply nothing of legal consequence to even worry about. The ground isn't getting worse because muddy is muddy. And if you think that we should forbid spilling water, lest people see the water flowing and presume that spilling wastewater in the summer is also okay, well, don't think that way. Don't worry, because most people will assume that the water they see flowing is rainwater that flows regularly through the pipes in winter. They won't draw any conclusions about summer behavior from presumed winter behavior. The last issue of the daf and the chapter, which ends on the very top of the next page, refers back to the last clause in the Mishnah. If two apartments are opposite one another, and only one of them made a pit, only the ones who did may spill water on Shabbat. Ultimately, Rava says it's because they didn't make an Eruv together. What's the big deal? asks the Gemara. Last word of the page and chapter goes to Rav Ashi, who says that the concern isn't the spilling of water, but rather the carrying of the containers holding that water into the Chatzer. No Eruv, no carrying, period. So, Hadranalach Perak Ketzad Mishtatvin, chapter 8 of Eruvin, along with Amud Pechet, page, uh, Daf Pechet, page 88, they are in the books. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.